1: Welcome to The Credit Edge, a weekly markets podcast. My name is James Crombie. I'm a senior editor at Bloomberg. This week, we're very pleased to have on the show Caleb Mutua, who covers credit markets for Bloomberg News in New York.
2: How are you, Cal? I'm doing very well, James. Thanks for having me.
1: We're very excited to get your take on the markets. Thanks very much for joining. We're also delighted to welcome back Mary Ellen Olson, a credit analyst with Bloomberg Intelligence in Hong Kong. We'll be talking to Mary Ellen a bit later in the show about Vedanta, an Indian company that's been running into trouble with a ton of dollar debt. So do stay with us. But first, Khalid Matua with Bloomberg News. You've been all over the corporate bond story. This month was the busiest September ever for corporate bond sales, with more than $110 billion sold in the first week. We did expect a bit of a rush. September's always busy as investors return from vacation with money to spend, and issuers usually look to take advantage of that. But why are they moving so fast now? What's the story, Cal?
2: Well, as you put it, James, uh, usually September is a very busy time, uh, busy month for issuance. And the reason they're coming now is because uh, if you think about it, if you're a CFO of a company, for instance, you have your borrowing uh, needs for the year, you're looking at the issuance calendar, And really, after September, things really start to slow down. You know, October, people are starting to uh, report their earnings. And usually around that time, companies don't sell debt. So really, September is that really good window for you to really take care of business.
1: So later in the month, I mean, there's going to be some earnings blackouts. We've got the Fed coming up. Um, Does that mean that companies have to do it before those things happen?
2: Absolutely. And that's what they've been trying to do. We've seen a lot of big companies, not just in the U.S., but globally, really take advantage of this window. You know, last week we saw Philip Morris come to the market. Just this week, T-Mobile raised $2 billion. You know, we've seen big banks, too, come to the market. Just the other day, we had Bank of America come to the market as well. So it's really everyone coming in and saying, you know what, this is a good window to issue debt and, you know, you might as well take care of the opportunity, of the opportunity while it's still there.
1: Are these deals mostly raising money for refinancing or for new projects? or What, what are they spending that money on?
2: Right, right. So it's mostly refinancing. And, and what's really happening here, James, is borrowing costs have gone up quite a bit. Uh, if you just step back and look at uh, March uh, last year, just when Fed was starting to hike rates, the borrowing costs, if you look at the yield on an average bond, it was, it was around three, three, 3%. And now, just look at this morning, it's it's, about, it's nearly 6%. We're looking at 5.8%. So, borrowing costs have almost doubled here. And so, if you're a company, you're thinking you really want to issue debt if you really need to, right? And so, it really boils down to, you know, whether you need to refinance, whether you need to push out maturity. And then for the other reasons that usually company borrow for, you can wait. You know, you can really wait until borrowing costs go down and then you have a much better window to issue.
1: So just to be clear though on that on that yield you're talking about 6% that's for um investment grade companies right
2: Absolutely. That's for, you know, what we call investment grade companies, which is really just, you know, these safer companies that are less likely to default. And so they get a safer, higher rating. Uh, and so we've seen a lot of those companies come to the market. But also the high yield market has been very, very, very active. I was just looking at the Bloomberg data this uh, this morning and we've had seven billion uh, just this week, the last three days, actually. And we have another four billion coming in. And so we are having I mean, this market has not been this busy since mid May. So that just gives you a picture of like everyone is trying to come in. Everyone is really trying to take advantage of this window.
1: And the the yields on that stuff. I mean, I'm looking at it. It's around eight eight and a half percent or something. In it. And it, again, you know, like investment grade, it's it's, it's doubled over the last year. So um, it's a lot more expensive. Um, why why are they paying up?
2: The, the the companies the companies you mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, so if it's so expensive, why don't they just wait it out?
2: I mean, if you need to push out maturities and then, James, you really don't have any other option, right? You have to really take care of that business. You really have to issue that. And going back to what I was saying earlier, these companies are being very, very, very strategic about their borrowing uh, plans, right? You really need to come to the market when if you really need to, you know, if you go down to high yield. You know, we're starting to see the LBO market open up a little bit. We're starting to see, you know, more deals come to the market. And so they're, they're issuing for a different reason.
1: So just on the refinancing side, though, I mean, we we, we have talked a lot about um, there is a kind of a wall of maturities approaching investment grade and high yield companies. You know, that it really does get quite high in, let's say, 2025, 2026. So this, a lot of this issuance, um, what you're saying is that they are using this money to pay down some of that maturity to sort of iron out that hump?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I I have to say this company is for the most part, a lot of companies did a good job pushing out maturities, right? You know, we had uh, this long period of easy, easy, easy monetary policies and and, and rates were quite low. And a lot of companies took advantage of that and pushed out their maturity walls. But still, their companies still need to do this. And those are the companies that we're seeing come to the market now.
1: The deals that we're seeing, are they going well in terms of demand? Are we seeing investors really keen to snap this debt up?
2: Right. So, if I can focus a bit and just look at IG for a minute here, um, the market, you know, it's, it's, you know, the demand there is quite strong. It's really quite strong. Um, a good example that comes to mind, we had this utility company, uh, Sierra Pacific come to the market yesterday. James, this company was looking to raise 400 million, right? Um, and because it was issuing on the longer end of things, so this bonds mature in 30 years, it got a huge, huge demand. We're talking about 3.4 billion for a 400 million deal. So that just tells you how much investors are looking for these bonds and especially the longer-dated bonds because that's where the yield is.
1: So, um, the long end, you, you, you mentioned that, that's interesting. Um, what, what are we seeing in terms of issuance there? Are, are companies locking in these high rates for the long term right now?
2: It's actually quite the opposite on the most part. So, uh, because because rates have gone up so much and borrowing costs, uh, you know, uh, 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 are high, a lot of companies are choosing to issue bonds that mature in relatively very short periods of time. So we're talking two years, we're talking three years, five years, some ten years, um, but. You know, if you just look at the deals that have come to the market from last week, a lot of these deals are shorter dated bonds. Now, investors, on the other hand, are looking for longer dated bonds, right? You know, uh, people are just becoming more optimistic that the Fed is cutting rates and the economy. You know, people expected you know a, a very hard recession here, and now we are starting to talk about a soft landing. Some people have been talking about we might not have a recession, right? And so, for investors, they're becoming more op- op- optimistic about the outlook, and for for them, longer dated bonds are becoming more attractive, and so they're looking for a lot more of these longer dated bonds.
1: But so from an issuer's perspective, um, are they sitting there thinking, well, hang on a minute, um, we don't want to lock these high rates in for a long time, and we think they're going to come down, so it's going to become cheaper for us to issue at some point soon?
2: That's that's exactly what's happening. I, you know, In my reporting, I've talked to CFOs, I've talked to investors, and that's really the thinking here. If you're a CFO, you're thinking, you know, I'm going to issue 2 years, 3 years, you know, hopefully around, you know, after 2024, 2025, you know, we're probably going to have a totally different landscape here and maybe that will be a good time to go long. So for now, you know, issue short bonds and just wait for the Fed to blink.
1: Cuz on the one hand, you know, this higher for longer narrative seems to be really taking hold particularly on the investor side. I mean, they they they're keen to see these rates stay up. But then we're saying that the, the on the borrower side on the on, you know, from corporate America They're not buying it. They're they're betting against it in some ways.
2: That's what's happening. That's what's happening. Um, It's sort of a conundrum. If you're an investor, if you're a a borrower, you're thinking, well, I don't want to get locked in this really high rates. And so I'm going to issue short. And then you're looking at the market. There's such a huge demand for the long dated bonds. And so we've started to see a little bit of issuers start to issue long dated bonds. A good example was the Sierra Pacific I just gave you because there's really demand for it. And you can bring down the price when you're issuing these bonds.
1: Let's talk about the price, though, for, for, for the market. I mean, whenever there's a lot of supply, it tends to hurt the price, and we're seeing that a little bit on the high yield side right now, that there is a lot of issuance, as you said, and the spreads are starting to widen out. Are we seeing the same thing in, in investment grade? Is, is you know, this, all this supply, is it starting to hit the price and it's starting to push spreads wider?
2: Um, we've seen a few cases where deals struggle a little bit. But James, for the most part, these deals are doing really well. I mean, a, a good, a good indicator to look at is what we call the new issue concessions, which is really just the extra yield premium that companies pay to sell these bonds. Um, It's really, it's really not that bad. You know, year to date on average, it's about 8 point something basis points, you know, if you look at the whole of 2022, it was I think about 13 basis points. So that just tells you that the demand is there. And actually, these deals are not doing bad at all.
1: Also interesting in your reporting, I mean, you say that, you know, we, we, we expect a big September for issuance, we expect, let's say 120 billion, which is, you know, a decent amount for a month. But if we look back in history, it's still less than, you know, I mean, last year was, was a bit slow, but it's still less than the average over quite a long period. So, you know, essentially, you know, it's, it looks like a big month, but it may not end up being, and then on top of that, we've got all this, what we call liability management, where bond, bonds are taken out by companies, you know, they're buying them back either in the open market or through tender offers. Um, let me flip the question then, is there enough to go around? Demand seems to be fairly steady, but supply is dropping. Shouldn't that make spreads even tighter?
2: You you would you would think that you would think that um and to your point uh supply is expected to, you know to be to be low this year just because of what we've talked about borrowing costs are just very prohibitive for a lot of issuers um and so people expect uh you know supply to sort of underwhelm a little bit here but spreads have you know held quite. Quite, quite fairly well if you think about it. I mean, we saw them like kind of jump a bit in, 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 you know, earlier this year when we had the banking crisis, but they're, they're fairly doing, doing well. They're fairly, you know, range bound. So before
1: we talk to Mary Ellen Olson about Asia, tell us, Cal, what else is on your radar? You've also been doing some great work on the ESG debt market, which has suffered a bit of a political backlash in the US. How's that market doing this year? Are we seeing a bit of a comeback there?
2: we've seen quite a huge rebound this year James i mean just if we just focus on green bonds which is the, the the largest part of sustainable debt market you know it's expected to hit a record this year i mean the most we've seen uh, was in 2021 we had around 512 billion this year we might go past 600 billion and so we've seen really quite a huge rebound globally for this kind of bonds um what's interesting though is to your point the US is kind of struggling a little bit here we've seen quite a bit of pushback you know you know a lot of people pushing back just on ESG strategy you know um and so issuers are starting to be more careful right and so in the US they're issuing less of these bonds but for the rest of the world it's 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 a, it's a big party
1: Great stuff. Caleb Matua from Bloomberg News. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You can read all of Cal's scoops on the Bloomberg terminal and, of course, at Bloomberg.com. Right now, we're delighted to welcome back on the Credit Edge, Mary Ellen Olson, who covers commodities for Bloomberg Intelligence based in Hong Kong. How's it going, Mary Ellen? Staying dry over there?
0: Uh, well, it's going well, but I can't say I'm staying dry. It's been raining here for about the past month, I think, and it looks like it's going to continue to rain for the next week. So... Other than that, yes, good. Thanks for having me.
1: Great to see you again. And I know you cover a lot of different countries and companies, but I wanted to focus this time on India, in particular, a company called Vedanta. Uh, It's a junk rated Indian mining company that faces repayment of a record $2 billion in debt next year. Some of those bonds are trading at distress levels. And we've talked about that company quite a few times on this show already, but what's the latest there, Mary Ellen? I mean, you know, a lot of companies have a lot of debt due over the next few years. Why is this one in particular coming under so much pressure right now?
0: I think that this one is different because it has so much debt due in such a short, short period of time. So through um, 2026, it has about $3.8 billion in dollar bonds that will fall due. And right now, we're looking at the, the next repayment to happen in January 2024. So the buildup has been, you know, how how are they going to make the payment on this $1 billion of debt that's outstanding? And heading into this week, we actually knew that the company was looking at raising new debt potentially backed by royalties on brand fees. Um, It was also looking at a potential debt extension or a debt restructuring initiative. And it was also holding investor meetings in Hong Kong and Singapore. So uh, today, I, I did wake up to some new news, uh, which I was hoping I could fill you in on.
1: So that's, that's great to hear, hear there is some progress. But I mean, since we last talked about them in, let's say, March, I mean, it was quite a long time ago, we started talking about Vedanta. But how much progress have they actually made? They,
0: they have made progress. They had some dollar bonds that were due earlier this year, which they, they have repaid. And they've also you know, embarked or continued on an overall debt restriction debt reduction strategy for the holding company. But a lot of those initiatives have only kicked the can really down the road. So they haven't really, you know, mounted the the overall liquidity or the refinancing hurdles in any one particular action since we last spoke.
1: And we talked a little bit about debt reduction, but how are they funding that?
0: They, well, they have funded it through a variety of means. Most recently they uh, initiated a, a stake sale from their operating company, Vedanta Limited. They sold about a 4% stake and raised 500 million. And that, that occurred in August, and that brought in some money to the coffers, which I think people were, were looking to, to provide liquidity for this update, upcoming debt payment in January.
1: Okay so um they are getting some some relief but i mean are they selling off assets that are crucial to their operating are they selling off the crown jewels at this point
0: uh well they they have said interestingly that the chairman has said that they would be looking at potentially creating some some pure play investment silos from from some of its divisions which which could happen through um the oil and gas division also the aluminum division and potentially some a steel company sale but i don't think that those things are necessarily going to be happening very quickly you know asset sales do take take a while and and, and these are the, at least the aluminum and the oil and gas division are are some of the bigger divisions they account i think for the aluminum division is about 15% of ebd while the oil and gas division is closer to around 20 percent so they're, they're pretty big um, companies and you know they're in commodity industry and they make money but it takes a lot to sell the assets so i think that it really did need to um, look at some some other alternatives to bring money in to bridge the liquidity gap um, so it could have some breathing room in order to affect these asset sales perhaps later down the road
1: you mentioned that they're meeting investors right now. Um, they're meeting them where in Hong Kong, Singapore, other parts of Asia. But but how do you think that investors will be reacting right now, given that the bonds are trading at distress levels?
0: Well, what, what came out from the news today, and I haven't spoken to any investors who have actually sat in on meetings with the companies yet. Um, they only invited specific investors from what, what I've heard Um, But what's come out in the news is a couple of things which I think are interesting to hear. The first one is that they are um, Looking at raising new new loans potentially packed by this brand fee Um, And they are looking at debt extensions, and they're looking at extending the 2024 and 25 maturities and that's about 3.2 of the total debt outstanding of 3.8. So they're looking at a significant debt extension and the um, they're also looking at some other liability management exercises, which could also extend um, their, their their debt maturity profile and improve their overall liquidity. But the, the news itself actually did take me by surprise. I, I, and, and let me share with you why. Um, I think in the first case, they had wrapped up the January 24 bonds, potentially, in the debt extension. And I think that that will take those note holders by surprise, because they were looking towards, you know, hopefully getting some new money into pay to pay them off in January. So that was one of the key takeaways from from what the news that that came out today, and the other major news that or takeaway that I got was that the company actually is looking towards a debt extension, and it, it's interesting because uh, Veneta has always really made it a point that it has never defaulted on its debt, and you know, when you look at when you think of a dent extension, that can actually lead to a selective default designation um, by the rating agencies. And so this idea that they were doing this extension, um, it, it, it did surprise me, but it does seem as though it could be a palatable solution for the company.
1: Interesting, you mentioned the rating agency, I did want to ask you about that. I mean, how are they reacting generally? They Are they putting pressure on the on the ratings? Are they going to downgrade them?
0: well the only s and p rates Vedanta at the moment, and they actually have the company at a b minus with a negative outlook um, and I think that you know one of the key things that they're factoring into their credit rating at the moment is the company's commitment to make good on its debt outstanding and I believe that one of the reasons why um this kind of debt extension could be palatable to Vedanta and could be a solution for them is if they're able to structure the transaction so that that doesn't actually result in a selective default and that that could be possible if it does a concurrent fundraising as well as structures the transactions so that the existing bondholders get more value out of the new transaction so I think that's that could be a road that could be interesting for them to pursue and and. Yeah, you know, so it's kind of a different take on it than what I was thinking previously.
1: Do the ratings uh, really matter for Vedanta at this point? Not,
0: not necessarily. The the you know everybody knows that the company is under extreme liquidity pressure, of course. But I think to one extent, you know, um, if it if it does get down to an SD, again, it goes against this mantra that the company has put forth about making good on its debt repayments. And I think it also could impact its borrowing costs if it if it were to default or get a lower rating than a B minus or its ability to secure long tenor debt. So I think, you know, it, it, it does still have a um, an impact, you know, at least if nothing else for the image on a company.
1: So why is long term capital so important for a company like Vedanta?
0: I think at the moment it's it's important because they're in such a an expansion mode. They are trying to, you know, continue to expand their capacity. And these are expensive, you know, capital intensive projects, which are, you know, better financed over a longer period of time than a short period of time. Um, and And it also, it extends their access to capital to a certain extent too, because if all your capital is bunched up in, at the front end of your you know over the next couple of years it creates some liquidity pressure as as they're experiencing now
1: on the other hand um, commodity prices um, are slipping how's that affecting Vedanta generally
0: well if you just look at the consensus estimate for Vedanta in coming up for the fiscal 24 and fiscal 25, they actually look okay. Um, some of the some of the commodity prices, yes, they've come off. They've also had some capacity expansion that could help them out next year. So in general, I think the consensus view is that the actual operating company, which is Vedanta Limited, is actually a, a good asset. They have good assets and it has value. But really the issue for the company as a whole is the level of debt that it has. And its short-term nature.
1: So, if you had to make a bet right now, based on what you know, do you think they'll pull through? I
0: think that their potential to pull through will definitely be improved if they can do this debt extension, because it will buy them, you know, some time. Uh, to if they extend the maturity of some of the existing bonds by three years, they do have time to, you know uh potentially make some asset sales which could reduce the refinancing risk if they bring in some additional monies they could lower potentially the cost that they're incurring to to take on additional debt and it could increase their access to to bank capital or other forms of fundraising so i think that on the one hand while the bondholders probably won't like to see an extension um it it could be something that could help them ultimately create more value down the road.
1: But given where the bonds are trading, the bonds are trading in distress, as we discussed, um, does that mean, you know, if if we think that they are going to pull through, that they could make it, are there opportunities there for the brave? Yes,
0: I think it's hard at the moment to understand what that opportunity is, though, because uh, there's not a lot of information out there about how the any sort of extension would work. Um, essentially, again, to avoid... I think going into a selective default kind of situation with a with an extension they have to you know create some value over the original offer to bondholders so I think that that would have to be factored in and would be a consideration when bondholders consider the extension but again the the shorter data bondholders which are trading at much higher levels in the in the the late 80s probably were looking more towards a more immediate payoff from you know near term fundraising
1: so the next thing to watch is what the, whether they can get this extension done. What how the investors react. What, what are the, what's the calendar look like for Vedanta? What what's on your immediate radar?
0: Probably the the it will take a couple of months to to figure out what's going to happen in terms of this liability management exercise. Uh, certainly, it will need to get approval for the extension from from the bondholders, um, and again that you know that will depend on where you are in the maturity curve and what you feel about having an, an extended exposure to Vedanta through 2027 and i think that is a relevant point because the company in the past has been aggressive they've been in, aggressive in making new acquisitions especially debt funded acquisitions so you know that that could be an issue for for some of the existing bondholders but um, really, the drop-dead date is by the end of the year to get some more fundraising in, in order to avert some additional rating pressure from S and P. Um, they've asked the company to raise at least six hundred million by the end of '23, and beyond that, you have the bond repayment for a billion, which comes in towards the end of January 24. So those are some of the key issues to watch. And in the meantime, I suspect they'll be negotiating with investors.
1: And just so we know the importance of this uh, in the region, Mary Ellen, what's the scale? How important is this company? You know, we've had a Danny blow up this year, we've had all the real estate issues in China. Is this just another sign of distress spreading through the Asia credit markets as rates stay high and the economy start to slow down?
0: I think your Vedanta is probably a little bit more unique um you know it is caught up I think in the higher rates and the very limited access to capital and I think that it's been uh it's been harder road for them because of the current environment in the in the credit markets just to get funding but this liquidity issue has been ongoing for a while because they're you know for a long time they've had a very complex corporate structure and they've been over leveraged so um, in that regard it's you know it's just progression along the same road for the past um you know year and a half in terms of how they're going to meet their their payment Um, but what's unusual about the company in terms of its peer group is that it does have a lot of dollar debt outstanding compared to most of the companies that I cover. Um, So it still has about 4 billion. And and that's one of the largest companies that I cover that's not a state-backed entity.
1: Thank you very much, Mary Ellen Olson of Bloomberg Intelligence. You can read all her great analysis on the Bloomberg Terminal. Do check it out and hope to see you back on the show soon, Mary Ellen. Thanks a lot. And thanks again to Caleb Matua from Bloomberg News. Read all of his great credit scoops on the terminal and at Bloomberg.com. And please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Give us a review, tell your friends, or email me directly at jcrombie8 at Bloomberg.net. That's J for James, C-R-O-M-B-I-E, as in my surname, and the number 8 at Bloomberg.net. I'm James Crombie. It's been a pleasure having you. Join us again next week on The Credit Edge.
0: You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through.